0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen.
1: Hello, beautiful friends. I'm Natalie. And I'm Claudine. And welcome to Shukran Very Much, the podcast. This week, we're talking about the beauty of salvation.
2: I'm very excited for our episode today, um, because whether it's our incredible speaker or our topic, we are going to be looking at one epic episode, Our discussion today will cover the concept that is pretty much the very essence of Christianity. The beauty of Christ's salvation lies in its profound ability to transform our lives. It is truly unparalleled, and we are invited to experience it in all its fullness. So just as Christ invited us all to experience his salvation, we invite you today to tune into our amazing discussion with an even more amazing speaker, Archdeacon Mark Solomon. How are you doing?
0: Good, how are you? Good. How are you? <laughs>
2: We're really excited to have you on. Thank you. This is gonna be a great episode, so we'll just get straight into it. Mm. Um, so, how do you believe Christ's salvation on earth paved the way for our salvation? Christ's service. Oh my God.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I don't know how to talk. You're gonna figure that That's out, hard. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I mean, it's it. What he did for us, I think, is is model sort of what life is going to throw at us, you know, um, and you know, in it, he, he he served a lot of people. He helped a lot of people. He healed a lot of people. He you know was tired, and he still you know stayed up and he worked really hard with people. And then those same people, you know, kind of stabbed him in the back, whether they be his disciples or you know, um, or even the people who said crucify him, crucify him, even though he had um, he had uh, you know healed them. So you know, in the end. Um, you know, he basically shows us, look, you know, this is kind of what happens. You do good. You don't hope to get anything in return. And most likely you won't. Um, And what he showed us was one directional love. Right. And that's a very hard concept for us. You know, we love those who love us. And he said, if, you know, there's no credit to you, if you lend to those who you hope to receive from again, so he was really profound in this one directional love he spent his whole life doing stuff for people and no one really gave him anything back and then they killed him and then they mocked him and then they cussed him out and then they sold him and they betrayed him and they denied him and you know those are really personal things those are friends you know people and and then he gives us the model what do you do when you're standing there being killed And people are still cussing you out, which is the kind of the crucifixion tradition. Uh, You know, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So even in that action, he's still asking for So, you know, his service wasn't about, you know, it was it was about showing us what our life was going to be, you know, as he's the perfect man and the perfect model Mm -hmm. um, and how we're called to react to those situations.
1: And what do you think is the meaning of salvation in the context of a Christ, like of Christian faith?
0: Well, I can tell you what it's not. I think what, what we we often think it is is acting a certain way, right? Or behaviors yeah. or being a good person or going to church a lot or doing a lot of fasting. And and really, that's not it. Salvation is, is God transforming us. It's not us transforming us. Um, it's not us earning heaven. So, you know, God's love for us is unconditional, right? Which means... You know, it, that means two things, right? It means that when I act really, really bad, God doesn't love me any less, right? Which is a hard concept because we sort of think God loves me less when I act really, really bad. But then the other side of that is when I act really, really good, God doesn't love me anymore, right? Which we also, you know, so, you know, it's hard to believe, but like God loves me and Pope Carolus the same, you know, which is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So Pope Krillus didn't earn more of God's love because he did good things, right? Now, of course, I'm sure Pope Krillus loves God more than I do, you know, but (laughs) um, God, from his side, it's the same, right? So because if, if you get in that mindset, then you think, oh, I did bad things, God loves me less. But the flip side of that is, oh, I'm doing good things, God loves me more. And that's just as bad as the first one, you know? So... The key is it it has to be more God-focused, God-centric. It's not what I did and how I acted and what, you know what I served. It's about the heart and how God I allow God to work in it and transform it.
2: Yeah. So if like you said, you said that doing good things doesn't make God love us more, what do you think should our motivation be behind doing those good things?
0: Well, the the thing is um you know, the you know, Jesus said that uh, you know, uh A stream that is salty can't bear fresh water, right? So, you know, out of the out of the heart the mouth speaks Right. So out of the heart the actions come right? so it isn't about doing the things It's about the the things come from the heart that loves God, right? so the focus is my heart and God's heart and once I acquire God's heart and his his feelings and his Love towards people, then I'll start to do those things, right? And then those things will be as an outcome of my heart, not as look, I did all this stuff and I earned, you know, thirteen points this week <laughs> by you know going to the homeless shelter, right? And God yeah. better count those thirteen points for me, you know. Um, it's it's the opposite, right? It's because I love that I do, and you know, when you do without love, there's no point, right? you don't need to feed a hundred people you need to just feed one and do it with love right it's some other tree size this great quote it's not um, what does it say it's 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 how much love in what we do you know that that matters not how much we do um, so I'd say that's the so the motivation is isn't I'm going to do those things to earn in heaven or to be good or that doesn't make you good right it's mm-hmm. it's my life with God that I focus on and then that's just kind of a natural outcome
2: so what is the role of the church in God's plan for salvation?
0: So, you know, one of the fathers said it best. He said, you know, like, if you think about water, you need water to live. And there's water everywhere around you, right? And there's humidity in the air, you know? So right now there's water in this air, but I can't drink it. You know, it's not it's not concentrated enough. And so I got to go to a drinking fountain that has concentrated all the water into a place, right? So you know, God is everywhere, right, but he's focused and we focus on him in the church, right, so the church becomes this fountain of grace, right, where where he can pour out onto us very directly, whether it be through communion, through the mysteries, through the sermons, through the word of God, it's a very focused thing, so of course God's everywhere and I can worship him anywhere I want, right, but at the, in the church he's concentrated, right, and, and that's where I go, you know, and You know, you think about like, uh, you know, in Africa, you have the watering well, you know, and uh, the water, the water and all the animals come to that reservoir, right? And they all sit there and they drink from that reservoir, but they don't just hang out at the reservoir, right? You know, because there's predators there and there's all kinds of things happening there. You go, you drink and you leave. And that's what the church is for us. It's not a place to go and just hang out and be all the time. It's a place to come and take and then you take, and then you go, and you go to the world, and you become the light of the world. No one said, be the light of the church. We're not (laughs) supposed to light up church, you know? Um, We light up the world, right? And so if we're hanging out at church nine you know, hours a day, and and just, then we're not lighting up the world, you know? So the idea is you come, you take from God, and then you give to everyone you meet, um, and you give them God's love, right? And that's our job.
1: Yeah, and I know you kind of touched on, like, how love is at the center of God's, like, salvation. Um, but, like, let's do, like, a deeper dive into the love. And I think it's pretty obvious that the crucifixion is, like, literally love yeah, it's The greatest us. act of love. Yeah, so just, like, a deeper dive into God's love for us.
0: Um, you know, like, the, 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 the crucifixion, of course, is the greatest act of love. And it's the greatest act of humility, Right. If you were to say, when was God, Jesus, humiliated the most? Most people would say the crucifixion. Right? But if you think about it, there is something actually more humiliating than the crucifixion. Uh, and the most humiliating act of Jesus was his birth. And not because he was born in a manger. Right? He could have been born in a castle, in a palace, with thousands of trumpeters. It still would have been the most humble act in the history of the world. Right? Because he was in heaven and he condescended and came down to us. He came down to our level. You know, like when, when a bishop comes into someone's house and then the bishop sits on the floor and starts playing with a toddler and starts walking on his hands and knees and chasing a toddler. Can you imagine the scene? We'd all be like, wow, Sayyidna is so humble. Yeah. Why is he humble? Well, He came down to the level of a child. Well, I mean, you know, with all due respect to the Sayedna who does that, he's just a man. You know, he's not God. Mm-hmm. And when God comes down to my level, that's infinitely more humble right so 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 god 's love of 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 allowing himself to be humiliated like that is is huge right If I see a bishop and he he 's on his hands and knees for my kid, i'd be like, "Wow, you must really love my kid or me to do that in my house mm-hmm. right um, and so that's the indication, right, of, of, of God's love for us. Um, and of course, you know, what Jesus said, I mean, this of the parable of the prodigal son. And he's starting to show us what he's talking about, right? I mean, you have a, a son who takes your half your money and goes out with harlots and, and he runs. You know, the, the son was walking back to the father. The father ran back to him. And then it says that he kissed his neck. You know, and you're like, what is that about? Why would he kiss his neck? But if you've ever walked out in the heat and you get start getting sweaty, you sweat on your neck, right? And sometimes somebody will go to hug you and you've been walking for an hour in the sun. You're like, oh, no, don't touch me. I'm gross, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they touch your neck and your neck's wet. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm so gross, right? Yeah. And then you imagine the father runs up and son's like, don't, don't hug me. I'm gross. You know, my, and he kisses his neck. He puts his mouth on the sweaty neck. The, he kissed the worst part of him right, the dirtiest part of him, right? Just to show like, look, I don't care what you've done. You're my son, you know? Yeah. And ultimately that, that parable holds for us the key. If you, if you read that parable, you know, you don't really need to read anything else. You know, that's, <laughs> that's everything. That's how much God loves. And so, you know, we think, oh, the kid didn't earn it and the kid messed up and, and, and the dad's like, my son was dead, he's alive. I don't, I'm gonna throw a party, you know? <laughs> So you start to get a sense of God's love. Um, and then I think the last way you get a sense of God's love is because you don't really understand how much God loves you. you know? And I think one of the things that really helps is having kids. You know? Because when you have a kid, you, you love your kid tremendously. You know? and, and then you have this thought, I can't imagine that God loves me as much as I love this kid. There's no way God loves me as much as I love this kid. You know? And of course he does. Right? So then you're like, oh wow. And then you start to get God's love. Like, is it Mm -hmm. possible? If he loves me half as much as I love this kid, oh my gosh, you know, like, I've been worshiping the wrong God all these years. You know, I thought he was this powerful God who wants me to fast. And then if I don't, he marks me down, (laughs) you know, but I, you know, I just want my child to succeed and to flourish and to do what's good and love him, you know, for her, right? So it's it's hard to capture God's love, but then God gives us glimpses into it in our lives and then we feel it and we see it.
2: Yeah. So obviously there's nothing we can do to make us deserving of that love and that sacrifice. But do you think there's something we can do to like start being worthy or is it like impossible?
0: You you're not worthy of it and nothing you do can be worthy of it. You know, like and again, you know, when you have kids it, it helps you understand these things, you know, like imagine you know, when, when, when my, my little two-year-old daughter makes me, or three-year-old daughter makes me a drawing, right? It's going to suck, right? I mean, it's just <laughs> a bad drawing, okay? Yeah. And, but that's the best she can offer me, right? What am I going to do with that drawing? I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it on the fridge. I'm going to say, this is so beautiful, honey. I love it. I'm going to keep <laughs> it forever because it means a lot to me that she did that, okay? But there's nothing she can offer me right mm-hmm. i, I she, she can't offer me money she can not offer me time she can't help me in any of my she can do nothing for me right yeah. there's nothing she can do for me um i don't need anything from her like you know i only give it's one directional right and all i want from her is just to look back at me and understand how much i love her that's it you don't even really need to say thank you you know just mm-hmm. just look back and appreciate. And, and someday, even after I'm dead, I don't care. You get that how much I loved you. That's all I care about. You know? Um, but there's nothing you're going to do to earn my... I'm going to love you regardless. Right? And you act good. I mean, whatever. right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, what do you think is like the ultimate goal of God's salvation? And I know that it's kind of like his establishment of his kingdom on earth. But what does that exactly mean?
0: Well, I mean, it's like, uh, again, any parent, what's their ultimate goal? Their ultimate goal is to have their kids around them, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I just I just want my kids to be with me, to love me, to not leave me, you know? And so God loves, God is love, and he wants that relationship with his kids, and that's it. You know, it isn't about, I need you to fast for me, you know? that's That's kind of Islamic, right, that, yeah. that I'm going to fast and earn, you know, points, or God's going to be appreciative of what he doesn't care, right? So um, he wants to be with me, and he wants me to be with him, right? And that's, that's it, you know, that's the objective. Just like any parent, like, what do you want? I want my kids around me. I want my kids to, to love me. Um, and, you know, God created man. Why did he create man? He created man because he had love to share all right that's the the reason for the beginning of, of the creation right and and you see that even again you know when you become a, you know a couple gets married and then they start thinking about having kids right And why what are they doing they're saying well i have we have a lot of love and we want to give it to something right and And then when the baby and they find out they're pregnant, they go out and they buy a (laughs) crib and they paint the room and they buy all these things and they get ready because they have all this. They want to give to this little six pound thing, you know, and they they want to share the love they have. It's like a a king. The worst thing a king can have is no heir, you know, and he knows he's going to die and never give his kingdom to anyone. You know, a a king, a, a childless king is a very sad person. And he wants to give his kingdom to someone, right? And so that's a natural feeling. Parents want to give their kids inheritance. They want, them to, they want to give them stuff. That's just the, the feeling we have.
2: So what is, so we get the, like you said, the, the ultimate goal is that God wants us with him. And we understand, well, we somewhat understand his kingdom in heaven. But how can his kingdom be on earth?
0: Well, I mean, the first thing is, you know, he said, my kingdom is not of this earth, right? So um, his kingdom isn't on earth and he isn't trying to maximize our earthly kingdom, right? So sometimes, you know, we tend to use God occasionally as a vending machine, right? So I'm going to put in a couple liturgies, I'll fast, right? And you help me in organic chemistry. Okay, and you help me get an A, right? Or the mom says, I'm going to fast and, and give money to and then my daughter's going to get married to a doctor, right? <laughs> so what she's doing is she wants, to, she wants to use God to maximize the earthly kingdom, right? And ultimately his kingdom isn't of this earth. He's not trying to maximize it. He's not trying to give you sheeps and cows and goats and land and children. That's the Old Testament thinking, right? Yeah. You know, um, blessings from God isn't that. right? So, so the kingdom isn't of this earth, right? But heaven starts on earth, right? And hell starts on earth. And people who are living with God are already in heaven. I mean, that's the, heaven isn't a place, it's a state, right? It's, it's a state of living with God in communion. Well, geez, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people I know, or they're already there, you know, and they're talking with God and they're communing with God and they're feeling God's love and they're loving God and they're already in heaven and I know people already in hell, you know, um, because they're miserable and they're hateful and they, they're angry at people and they don't like when people succeed and they're jealous and they're bitter. They've, they've already entered hell. So yeah the kingdom isn't here but we start the kingdom here and it's just an extension of our life.
2: Okay. So you brought up the Old Testament. I heard that there was like two different salvations like in the Old Testament and New Testament.
0: Right? I guess in the Old Testament the the people were being saved from oppressors, right? So the Jews were being oppressed by first the Egyptians and then the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and they were constantly being captured and then freed and captured mm-hmm. and freed. Um so, and then the Romans, and then they thought, okay, the Messiah is going to free us from the Romans. Um, so I guess that's the kind of salvation they were talking about in the Old Testament. Was They just wanted to get out of Egypt, right? They just wanted to get out from this um, captivity from the Assyrians and Babylonians. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, but that's, a, that's, again, an earthly salvation. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, that's what they thought Jesus would do, right? It says in one place that they came and tried to make him king by force. Right, they're like, you, you, this guy can beat the Romans for us. He's gonna help us get out of this captivity. You know, it's again an earthly mindset. Um, you know, but obviously, our, you know, he, and he kept saying, you know, that the kingdom of heaven is inside you, right? And it's not of this earth.
2: Mm-hmm. There are requirements for like a savior, for like Christ to be the one who died for us to. What are those requirements? Like, he has to be immortal.
0: I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't legalize it like that. Yeah. It's not like, here's the formula, and he had to be God, and he had to die for us. Mm-hmm. And, because, you know, sometimes, um, there, there's some, you know, kind of medieval kind of thinking, which is, you know, very, you know, like, Adam had a, a sin, and I inherited this sin, right? That's not orthodox teaching at all. You can't inherit someone's sin. Like if someone did something wrong, that's nice, but that doesn't mean I have to pay the price for that sin. It's not fair to punish me for someone else's sin, of course. So this idea that, you know, there's all these sins and someone has to die. And so, well, we're going to, the person who has to die has to be, you know, infinity. And so we'll kill that guy, right? And if we kill that guy... Then all the sins that you should have you should have been killed for, you don't have to die for because that guy died in your place. You know, it's not it's not so much like that. It's not like God died instead of us. It's more like God dies with us, or I die with Him. You know, and so what He's teaching me is is a is a, not a legalistic way, right? But He's teaching me that I'm called to die to myself, right? And um, it's not like there were these requirements, and that I mean, if Jesus just came to die, well, then you know, when Herod tried to kill him when he was two, that would have been fine, right? Just yeah. let him die, and then we're done, right? If that's just some, you know, mechanical thing, you know, we got to shed this guy's blood, right? But it's it's not like that. He came, he spent years teaching us, right, and he spent years instructing us on how to be and modeling our life after him. And he's saying, I'm the perfect human. I'm I'm what 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 the Father wants to see in His sons, right? That's, and so it isn't about how do I get salvation, you know, and what do I gotta do, and who's gotta do it? It's more like, I wanna be in the natural state that God made me in, I, I want that. It's not that I, I wanna beat the system, I want that. You know, I wanna be with Him and He wants to be with me. Um, and that's what salvation is, right? Because if we if we think of salvation as simply, you know, um, if I do bad things, then God sends me to hell, right? And he punishes me forever. You know, well then, if that's the case, right, then then salvation really means salvation from God, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> who's, who are you afraid of now? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of God, right? He's the guy who's gonna put me in hell forever, right? So I'm scared of that guy, I'll do whatever that guy says, and he can follow me, he sees me wherever I am, that's a scary God, right? If that's the concept, right? You do bad things, I send you to hell forever. And it's really mean. Like, that's a very long punishment for, you know, not fasting all of Lent, you know? Like, um, so that, that isn't the concept that we're, that orthodoxy. I mean, the fathers don't talk about God in those terms. And, you know, he's, he's far too loving, right? Otherwise, you're just saving, you know, from, he's, he's, he's your number one enemy, right? He's yeah. the guy you're scared of the most.
2: So if we don't view hell as a punishment, is that what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. And what should we view it as?
0: So if you, if you think about punishment, right? Punishment always has to be for the purpose of correction, right? So when a parent punishes a child, it's because they don't want them to do something again. They want them to remember, mm-hmm. okay? But um, punishment after no correction can take place is just vengeance. It's revenge. So, you know, if, if your dog pees on the rug, okay, mm-hmm. you, you take a newspaper, you, you hit him on the butt, okay? Mm-hmm. Why are you hitting the dog? Well, because you don't want him to pee on the rug. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's that simple, right? If I start taking that newspaper and I start beating that dog, well, now I got a problem, right? I, yeah. You know? Well, what if the dog doesn't learn? Okay. And I say, okay, that's it. We're not going to put him in the house anymore. He's going to be an outside dog. He sits in the backyard. We're going to put a kennel, build a dog house. You're an do- outside dog. No problem. So you go out there a week later, dog's outside and you hit him on the butt with a newspaper. And the dog says, why are you hitting me? And he says, well, because remember last week you peed on the, the rug. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, but that was last week. I haven't peed on the rug all week. Well, sorry. Last week you peed on the rug. Next week you go out there, you hit him again. He says, why'd you hit me? Well, remember two weeks ago you peed on the rug, so I'm gonna hit you for that. He's like, well, I haven't done it, That's unfair. Three weeks later, you remember three weeks ago you peed on the rug, so I'm gonna hit you for that. How long are you gonna keep hitting me? Forever. I'm gonna keep hitting you, forever, because you peed on the rug. Well, that's that's not fair to a dog, right? Let alone my God who created me and loves me and died for me, right? So if I reduce God to I didn't do the things he wanted, And so he's going to punish me forever for it. Well, he's kind of got a big, you know, he's kind of an egomaniac, right? He's a narcissist. Like, what? You don't obey me? Okay. I'll send you to hell forever. Well, that's not. And then, you know, and then he says, now love me. I'm not going to love you. right? I'm scared of you. Right? You're you're holding this big knife over me. You know, you're threatening (laughs) me. Right? With hell forever. And I'll love you. Right? I, I can't
2: that's a little backwards
0: yeah I'll be scared of you I'll yeah. obey you I'll do what you say but I'm not gonna love you
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? yeah so when we have that perspective we can't really love God yeah and in fact that's what St. Anthony says he says he said to the other monks he said I no longer fear God and they're like father how could you say that he says because I love him so much I'm not scared of him he's my dad he takes care of me he's shown yeah. me love in every part of my life right you know so and that doesn't have to just be Saint Anthony. That could—that's mm-hmm. all of us, right? That shouldn't just be Saint Anthony.
2: So you, earlier, you said that there's nothing we can do to be deserving or worthy of, the, like Christ's sacrifice for us. What can we do to be thankful for it, though?
0: I mean, I mean, the first thing is there's, if 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 my kid says to me, you know, thank you, and they don't mean it, or they're saying thank you because you know I gave them, uh, you know. I got them something, but they really want an iPhone, right? Yeah. A bit, the next iPhone. So they're like, okay, I'll thank him for the iPhone 11, but that's because I want an iPhone 14, right? That's not a real thank you. That's mm-hmm. just you're using thank you to get the more stuff out of me, more worldly stuff out of me, right? So if I'm thanking God and, you know, your parents say, if you don't thank God for the little things, he won't give you the big things. I'm like, okay, I know how to trick this guy. I'm going <laughs> to thank him for the little things, and then I'm going to get a big car, or a big house, right? So I'm going to play God. I'm going to manipulate him and I'm going to He's not very smart, obviously. So I'm just going to fool him and thank him and then he's going to give me more stuff. Well, I don't really love God, do I? I love stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I'm using him to get to the stuff, right? So the the thank you has to be just it has to be in recognition and sincerity, right? I mean, and you just have to be self-aware. Once you become self-aware of who God is and who you are and what you are, then you can't help but thank God, right? And and But that comes from a natural process, not from a, you're sure to say the prayer of Thanksgiving three times a day. Otherwise, if you say two times a day, then, you know, it doesn't count. Like, I mean, that's just, you know, don't even just say it in your heart and say it silently and just mean it once a month. It's great. You know, you don't need to. Yeah. We like to use these formulas and, you know, pretend like there's a, you know, cookbook that we can stick stuff in and then it were and out pops the the answer
2: so his kingdom is not of this earth it's a kingdom in heaven what in the most general way possible what steps can we take to inherit that kingdom
0: well i mean he also says the kingdom of heaven is inside us right so now where's the kingdom you know so it's already in you Right. So it's not like it's some place that I have to inherit and I have to do things to get to it. It's already inside. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do I get to it? Well, I just have to get out of the way. right. Less me, more him. You know, so the kingdom of God, God's already in me. And I just, you know, there has to be less old man and more new man, less old Adam and more new Adam. Less ego and self, and more him. So, um, all all Christian life is about is getting out of God's way, right? Being, and that's what, like what fasting is. What's fasting? Just less me less of my desires less of what i want and you know more like you know being okay and content with not being happy and, and not or not necessarily being happy but not getting the thing you know that my heart's desire and so that's that's ultimately you know and so it's not like i'm earning salvation or you just it's already there right you just have to not get in the way of it
1: you know yeah and i think you kind of talked about how we should um, have that relationship with god like we shouldn't view him as like this vengeful god so then how should we like really view him and how should we i mean treat him genuinely well i
0: mean it it all depends everyone's relationship is very unique and individual right so um it has to be personal right it's a very um personal thing and you know i always think of i always think of my relationship with god like uh, watching a sunset you know so whenever you watch a sunset you're staring at the sun, and the sun looks right back at you, you know. And you could swear the sun's looking right at you, you know. And it's just you. That's how it feels. Intellectually, you know, I'm sure the guy next to me can see the same sunset I see, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels mm-hmm. like it's just me and the sun, wow. right? This really big thing, and it's just me. Yeah. So that's the way our life with God has to be, right? I imagine other people have a life with God, and I'm sure other people. You know but i i don 't feel that way. I feel just like him and i we 're the only two right yeah. um, and that relationship is is very personal it 's very unique. Everyone has a different one right I mean even you know you take someone a human being, any simple human being you take you take me right I interact with some people as an archdeacon right they 're like oh that 's Archie right I interact with some people as a dad, I interact with some people as a husband. I interact with some people as a friend. I interact with some people as a triathlete. I interact with some people as a professor, right? And so there's people out there like, oh, that guy, he just he just rides bikes. He doesn't, <laughs> I don't think he does anything else. And there's some people like, oh no, he teaches accounting. And there's some people like, no, that guy's an archdeacon. And there's some people like, no, that guy's my dad. And if if each one of those people talk to each other, they're like, what? No, he's not, <laughs> he doesn't ride bikes, he teaches accounting. No, he's, a, he, he's an archdeacon. No, he's a husband, he's, a, he's my friend. And they may all be confused, but here I am this simple person, and I have different facets of me, and I can be a different person to different people. Right? There's some people I'm just dad, to some people I'm a friend, to some people I'm whatever,. Right? So I can imagine God is the same. Right? To you, he's something, and to me he's something else. And we're like, Are we talking about the same God? Sure. Right? Of course we do know some characteristics of him, right We know he's love, we know he's humility, we know he's peace, We know he's all of these things,? Right? And mostly we know what he's not. Um, you know, theologically. But uh, nonetheless, each person can have that individual relationship, right? And and each one has to develop their own walk with God in their own way. So that's why the cookbook approach is, you know, this is what we do and this is how we do it. That's a very uh, kind of Islamic approach. There's a set formula. do the things, you go to heaven, right, and you win. And sometimes we fall into that same trap.
2: Shokran very much for joining us of course. it's been amazing wow. yeah
1: and Shokran very much to all of you beautiful friends who tuned in and listen please follow us on all of our social media sites which you can find in the show notes to either receive updates or send in questions or you can visit our website which is also in the show notes to send in questions or even suggest topics Shokran very much for listening and we'll see you next week